The Better Business Bureau investigates and reports on scams that hurt consumers through the BBB Scam Tracker website. Here, some people share their stories and others educate themselves. And together, we empower our community. Wrestling fans of all ages, shapes, sizes, genders, and everything in between. It is time to go to war and be the cure for the Common Wrestling Podcast. Welcome to the revolution. Buzz, buzz, guys. My name is Kate Murphy. What's going on, everybody? This is Will Tarashek, the founder of the Kings of the Rings podcast. What's going on, guys? It is I, the one and only Quiet Riot himself, Zach, your host of the Young Lions Perspective. What's up, guys? This is the Monday Night Delight. Greetings, one and all. This is your Prime Minister speaking, your favorite Canadian Mr. Fret. Hey, what's up, you guys? This is Nate the Effing Great from the Game Changer Podcast. If you're looking for a network that keeps wrestling real, then you've come to the right place because you're listening to you are listening to you are listening to you are listening then you are listening. Get ready for a war because you're listening to what is going on, everybody. This is King Ricky Rose, your general manager, and you are listening to Wrestle Addict Radio. Now enjoy the show. Are you ready? Ladies and gentlemen, it is time to change the landscape of podcasting as you know it in professional wrestling. This is the Game Changer Podcast. Featuring the greatest asset to come out of Canada, the legendary Mr. Fretz. As well as featuring yours truly, the game changer, Nate the Effin Great. change the game one day at a time. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're ready, let's do this. Don't turn your back on the wolf pack. 
body bag. Ladies and gentlemen, we got three words for you. We're taking over. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this huge edition of the Game Changer Podcast, where we are going to be taking a month-long look. I know I'm just springing this on my co-host at this last minute, but I was actually really thinking about this, that we should actually do a full entire month paying homage to one of the greatest wrestling companies ever, and probably one of the most last legit threats to the WWE, that being WCW. You know who I am, but you don't know why I'm here. And my beer just exploded all over me. (laughs) Classic frets. You know, this is me while uh, beer spills into my lap. And uh, let me mute my mic for a second. Well, I slurped on that. Uh, FML. I'm going to have to relocate, Nate. Um, yeah, this is Mr. Fritz. Uh, happy, uh, what is it? Hango- Canada Hangover Day. Yes, despite the fact I worked on Canada Day. And, uh, you know, time and a half is pretty sweet. Uh, let me just mute while I readjust myself live on. Yeah, it is really cool that, you know, Canada gets to have their own special day. And I will say this. Uh, I just got done watching... AEW Dynamite, and there was no better way to spend Canada Day than listening to Chris Jericho doing his commentary on there, just just bashing Excalibur, doing these deals where he's like, I've never heard of a slobber knocker. I've never heard of this deal. That's a made-up word. It's like, dang it, Jericho. You <laughs> uh, actual Canadian tuxedo. You know, oh up here we call the Canadian great. tuxedo the... The jean shirt, jean jacket, and jean pants. Yeah, he was wearing a Canadian blazer, and it was even better because just before I was watching um, uh, Fighter Fest, I was listening to Chris Jericho talk as Jericho this Wednesday. It was all about uh, Canada and Winnipeg, you idiot, yeah, with a couple of childhood friends and t- talking about Canadian shows like SCTV See, that, which gave us guys like Eugene Levy, John Candy, uh, icons. And I love your WCW idea, so I can't wait to see what you have in store. And my notebook is over here. I'm in my comfy chair now. <laughs> Friggin' wet spot, classic frets. Well, ladies and gentlemen, in case you didn't guess by the theme music that we started off with at the beginning of the show... This episode, we're going to be talking about the infamous faction, one of the greatest factions of all time, that being the NWO. Going to go through some brief history as far as the NWO, talk about some of our favorite moments, and give our overall thoughts of the faction. So, yeah, let's not waste time. Let's dive right into this and talk about this wonderful time and also a bit of a dark time for WCW. We'll talk a little more about that later on in the show. So basically what happens here is that during the during the mid-90s, it was a 96, yes. So Scott Hall, during the time known as Reza Ramon, and Kevin Nash, known as Diesel, had their contracts basically expiring with the WWF. And it looks like they wanted to stay with Vince McMahon and the WWF. But Eric Bischoff said, look here, I have lots of money. Come work for me. Scott Hall said, Okay. Said, Okay. <laughs> said, Bull Weevil. <laughs> said, <"Hey>, Bull Weevil. 
because I don't know. Hashtag Kobe. No, I said, Co- I said Kobe because I oh. just three-pointed my beer can. <laughs> Damn it. Hashtag Kobe. <laughs> um, so Scott Hall accepts the offer for Eric Bischoff. Diesel, he's still a little hesitant about this, but then when he get, finds out that, hey, I'm getting paid this amount of money, I'm only going to be working this many days, Kevin Nash is kind of like, this is something I could work with. So on a very legendary episode of Monday Nitro, we have a matchup in there with two guys just, honestly, I wish I could remember their names, but at the same time it's like, eh. Because literally Scott Hall comes from the crowd wearing nothing but a jean jacket, jeans, and he just comes down to the ring, asks for a mic, and Mr. Fritz definitely laid out those powerful words of, you know who I am, but you don't know why I'm here. And during that time, everybody was freaking out because they're thinking, like, wait a minute, that's that's Razor Ramon. Are we getting some kind of, like, WWF invasion deal? Is he, is he you know, coming in to just beat up everybody here at WCW? Or are we going to be... You know, it kind of blurred the line between fiction and reality. It was one of those things where a lot of people were just kind of excited. They're like, well, what's going to happen next year? Well, Scott Hall says, the big man is coming. <laughs> He has a nice confrontation. He has a funny confrontation with Eric Bischoff, where at the end of that show, he basically is say, saying, "Hey, he's here." And that funny moment where Scott Hall is just pointing behind. He's just like, "You might want to turn around. I'll look behind you." Eric Bischoff says, "I'm here. Where is he? And who is behind Eric Bischoff?" Big sexy Kevin Nash, who has that most iconic promo of all time. Where he says, says, so this is where the big boys play, huh? Look at the adjective. Play. We ain't here to play. And Fretz did the, the automatic facepalm for this one. Hashtag facepalm city. And also Kayla, Rachel, everybody in our King Ring, sh- shout out to you guys. Possibly working on that shirt. It's probably going to be coming sooner rather than you think. But... I will say that so was that, a Great American Bash '96, by the way. Uh, speaking of which, um, maybe we'll get into that. <laughs> maybe. Um, but but yeah, they, we go to uh, the Great American Bash, in which we basically have all the questions answered because the main thing was: Are Scott Hall and Kevin Nash working for the WWF? And they replied simply by saying, "No, we're not employed by Vince McMahon." To which we hear. Eric Bischoff and Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, they work on an agreement that at Bash at the Beach, there's going to be a six-man tag team match. Three members of WCW taking on Scott Hall, Kevin Nash. They got a partner. Do they reveal it here? No. They decided just to have Kevin Nash powerbomb Eric Bischoff through the, off the stage through a table. This was great. And Francis gave me that look of just, oh, with the one finger going up. Not the bird, but the... Light bulb going off. <laughs> uh, okay, so we're leading up to this, the the dirty dirt sheets. Uh, we're speculating, you know, who the third man is. Do you want to know who? Uh, I'll give you one name that Meltzer speculated. Either it could be, or maybe he was just tossing marks off of the scent. Mabel. Really. Allegedly, <laughs> and yeah, I, I can't picture it's like you know M- Mabel's up there like, huh, 
you Mabel Holics, uh, you can <laughs> you can stick it. Yeah, you can stop waving your hands in the air and shove those hands up your assers. Yeah, Mabel could. You can stop waving your hands in the air because I just don't care. I don't know. I went to a big show impression. You oh, won't be you, mentioned on you, the show. You uh, you did it better. Uh. <laughs> Yo, players, don't be waving your hands in the air because I just don't care. Jeez, now I gave him like a Teddy Long kind of twist to it. Jeez, Louise. That was like Oscar. Oscar was rapping NWO Mabel to the ring. Like, put your hands in your pockets. Oh, my God. That, that would have been cool. I, I, I would have honestly would have paid to see that. Just, just Mabel and NWO and Oscar just always raps to hit for his entrance, I would be totally okay with that. But, <clears throat> pardon me. So, we get the build-up to Bash at the Beach, and we find out that three members that will be representing Team WCW are going to be Sting, Lex Luger, and the Macho Man, Randy Savage. Everything's all set up, and honestly, guys, this matchup itself... Was an interesting matchup, and I'm going to pass this over to Mr. Fritz to tell us why this matchup was so interesting. Because we we both got the chance to actually watch that matchup in uh, for, for uh, Bash at the Beach '96. Yeah, uh, initially we were going to review the whole show, but uh, a I didn't have I didn't have a lot of time. Uh, today's been my only day off, so I've been uh, outside enjoying the nice weather, <laughs> and. And uh, I did watch two War Games matches involving the NWO, which Ooh. we'll probably get into as time goes. Uh, yeah, th- this was here. We, we started off here, you know, Holland Nash are coming to the ring, and Mean Gene is just, he's right up there to plug the 900 number. I mean, go talk to Holland Nash. It's like, you know, Scheme Gene, the third man is here, and he's ready. And we're like, oh, oh, oh okay, okay. Uh, all of uh, Sting, Luger, and and Randy are wearing like uh, uh, Sting Sting face paint. Like this was pre Crow String, but by, uh, by about a year. Surfer Sting. Uh, surfer Surfer Sting. Yeah, uh, he came, he coming out here to uh, man called Sting. It's like he's got a bat. He's got this and that. Yeah, it's 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 crap. Uh, and and of course, uh, I've told you about Lex Luger's loud selling. <laughs> Ow! Ugh. Ugh. Uh, all over the match. Uh, damn it, OSW review! You ruined Lex Luger. <laughs> Seriously, yeah, they're, they're on the Lex Express timeline right now. They just did was it SummerSlam '94? So Lex and Tatanka. Uh, yeah, uh, good. Not a bad pay per view. So we have uh, a big schmoz that there's a stinger splash with, uh, with Kevin Nash while he's kind of choking Lex. But the Stinger Splash took them both out. Uh, Sting uh, kind of snaps. He just goes all up on everybody. Uh, and the outsiders are egging everybody in. Uh, there's a schmoz. Everyone's down. And then you just see the crowd start to rise. You know, like Linda McMahon rising from her chair at WrestleMania X7. The crowd... comes up. Oh, and... Oh, you're recording. Okay. I figure we should. Uh, get, I should. We should give people a preview of what they can expect the podcast. But I do. Oh, I do apologize for that technical difficulty. That was my fault. Uh, at least you uh, didn't film me spilling my beer a few minutes ago. So there <laughs> that is go. true. That is true. Yeah, that, that could have been a Patreon exclusive, but you know. 
So what we have here, uh, Hogan comes to the ring. He's marching to the ring. They, Hulk, oh, Hogan is in the building. You're damn right he is. Go and get him, Hulkster. Go get him, Hulkster. Yeah, but whose side is he on? What you talking about? What you talking about, baby? Hulk Hogan will be on the side of the NWO. <laughs> Wait, this is before they were called that. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, foreshadowing. Go so get him, baby. See. Oh, my God. Dusty Rhodes during this during this deal is just... He's priceless. It's just... Honestly, I think this might be one of his finest uh, commentary works. It's just him doing that whole, Go get him, baby! Get him, Hulkster! Get him! Yeah. Dusty's a treasure on on uh, commentary. To go back to Great American Bash 96, uh, there was a hardcore match, a false count anywhere match between Kevin Sullivan and uh, Chris Benoit, and it wound up in the toilets. Then it wound up in the ladies' room, and then Dusty Rhodes is having a feeling, ah, in the ladies' restroom! Just having a field day with everything. It's just a washroom, dude. People do, like, girls do the same thing we do in the washroom. Let it go. But it was kind of funny hearing him go off about it. it Uh, Who's is he on? And then, then of course, Macho's down in the ring. Boom! Drops the leg. What? What the hell is going on? Hulk Hogan is the third man. Hulkamania is dead. Hulk Hogan has betrayed WCW. I'm gonna be sick. And, oh, just... Then all of a sudden, just the... The tr- that was supposed to be something flying through the by the webcam. Yeah, the trash just litters, goes everywhere. Trash going everywhere on the ring. There's my metaphorical then, oh, trash throwing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, literal. Uh, yeah. Even Mean Gene was getting pelted by like beer, like pop cups and beer cups and popcorn bags. The the ring is like after an NWO thing. Like watch some of this. The, the the crowd reactions, especially in like Ric Flair country or Sting country, venomous, vitriol. And then Hulk grabs the mic. He cuts that promo. It's like, as far as I'm concerned, you know, the Hulkamaniacs can stick it, brother. And he's like, this here is the new world order in professional wrestling, brother. And this, and this goes on. And some some people are cheering. Like some of like the smarky smarks are are, are cheering, hit, hit, cheering off. And then the next night on Nitro, they, he, he cut basically the same promo. And that that to me is one of the greatest like promos of all time. Like not not from from Hogan by far. Like throughout his NWO run, this this man could cut a promo. There was pure heat there was hatred there was garbage and he says you know who knows more about that company up north you know i made that company up north a lot of money and now we're gonna like take over this company kind of thing and 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 you were alluding to it it's like at first this seemed like the wwe invasion because you had well you had diesel and razor but they were also in WCW previous to go and having their run, like their more infamous run, because nobody remembers Oz or the Diamond Stud or uh, Vinny Vegas. Everyone remembers Diesel and Razor and National Hall, the Outsiders. And eventually, uh, 
the, the number of people in the NWO would grow. Do you want to take a stab at how many people, including New Japan, have been in the NWO? I'm going to say it's the same amount of thumbtacks that were put in Chris Jericho's body through that Demon Ambrose Asylum matchup, and that's 69. Nice, but you were close. 62. Wow. Yeah, 62 people in, in total, and this includes like uh, managers, <laughs> managers and uh, valets and such. So yeah, I, I can go through some of the WCW list here, but we have, of course, Hall, Nash, Hogan, DiBiase, uh, The Big Show, The Giant, NWO Sting, who we're going to talk about, uh, Six, Vincent, Virgil, Miss Elizabeth, Bischoff, Buff Bagwell, Michael Wall Street, IRS, Bubba Rogers, The Big Boss Man, Scott Norton, Randy Savage, Conan, Kurt Hanning, Rick Rude, Louis Spicoli, I didn't know that, Dusty Rhodes, Bebe, Brian Adams, Crush, Scott Steiner, The Disciple, a.k.a. The Booty Man, a.k.a. The Brother Brudeye, Stevie Ray, Horace, Lex Lex Luger, oh, this is Wolfpack, Sting, Disco, David Flair, Tori Wilson, Bret Hart, Jeff Jarrett, the Harris Twins, Mendesia, Tylene Buck, a.k.a. Major Guns, April Hunter, Pamela, Paul, Shuck, Shakira, Booker T, and Shawn Michaels. Man, that's absolutely insane. That 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 is still a lot to take in. The fact that it's 62 people, including the different carnations that we'll definitely be highlighting throughout this episode, is insane. It's absolutely insane. So, guys, we're going to take a little quick commercial break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about some of the highlights from... WCW's NWO, maybe even get into some highlights from WWE, uh, no, I'm sad. Hi, I'm Nate the and Great. You know what's really fun, you guys, is just spending some time creating wrestling moments, whether it's being in the crowd, cutting promos, or just really kind of beating each other up with a chair or a trash can. Well, Let's just say that there's a safer way to do that without using an actual chair or a trash can. Go over to Great Minds Revolution Incorporated. My buddy Kurt has actually created a very safe and fun way to be a wrestling fan without the necessary lawsuits of basically beating each other up with real stuff. He has an inflatable chair that is really fun to just whack around, and it could also double as a little float floaty for a pool. He also has the inflatable trash can, which, you guys, is really awesome because, let's say, maybe you don't want to use it for wrestling matches. You could use it at your barbecue, your next big tailgate party, whatever you could think of. Great Minds Revolution, Inc. They do a great job on making wrestling fun again. Proud friends of the Game Changer Podcast. What's up, folks? This is Mr. Fretz from the Game Changer Podcast, here to tell you about my Patreon show, the 20 Bell Salute, where I go back 20 years ago each month in wrestling and pop culture. What movies were out, what video games we were playing, what music we were downloading on Napster, and what wrestling pay-per-views took place that month in WWE and what other promotions happen to still exist at this time. So join me in my Y2K-compliant DeLorean as I go 20 years into the past on the Wrestle Addict Radio Patreon. Join us for only five bucks a month.
This is your pool party captain, Randy Fitzsimmons, and you're listening to the Game Changer Podcast. Pew, pew! What's up, Max? This is Barbie Blank, former WWE diva Kelly Kelly, and I just wanted to send you a huge happy birthday. I hope you have an amazing birthday, um, surrounded by friends and family, um, keeping distance, obviously, um, but I just wanted to send you so much love um, and thoughts and best wishes on your day, um, and thank you for just all your love and support um, for me and Kelly Kelly. <laughs> um, so, like I said, I hope you have a great birthday, um, thinking of you, and sending you love. And a message that was literally like six months too late. That was a Kelly Kelly cameo for my friend Max B, a.k.a. Agent Cooper. Welcome back to the Game Changer Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Nate. He's Mr. Fritz. Uh, <laughs> happy, happy birthday, man. <laughs> I will. So I'll t- I wanted to tell you the funny story about this. So I did send him the video around the same time that I think I showed you the, shoot you the video. And one of the things that he was just like, oh, dude, thanks. I was like, wait, is, you're not mad? He's like, no, dude, I appreciate that. He was, I, don't, I can't really tell through the speech deal if he was, um, if this is going to be a situation where he's just being calm right now or, or he's really being cool or maybe he's just being like super calm and he's probably going to kill me later on. It's like the silent killer kind of situation. <laughs> But, uh, Dude, you're boned. I, I know either way, but he definitely. Uh, did you lock your Did you lock your door? Because he might be coming in the, in there behind you. Uh, oh, my front door's not locked. Now that I think of it. <laughs> oh man, safety, safety here as we uh, are celebrating the illustrious day that is can- post Canada Day. <laughs> but I will, I, will, I will say this: I did ask Mask. I said to him, I "said Oh, so are you? Uh, are you on the uh, Kelly Kelly bandwagon now?" He's like, <laughs> "No." <laughs> So, it's a thought that counts. It, it was a thought that counts, and honestly, it was worth it. I shout out to you, Agent Cooper, Max Media. Hopefully, everything is going well for you. And lo- love just giving him a bit of a hard time. This is one of the few times where I, I do something super nice for him, and he's just like really melancholy. But again, this could be a trap for something. So we'll see. We'll see as the year progresses. If I'm if nobody hears from me uh, after about a month, then probably best to call the police. So, uh, what were we talking? Oh, NWO. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Uh, we just got done talking about the early genesis of NWO. Uh, basically, how the the, the uh, faction was created. So now we're going to go into some highlights from NWO. And honestly, there's quite a few. Uh, I'll start. I'll start with this one. One of the things that NWO was NWO, I should say, was really good at was creating anarchy. And no better example. Of that was the fact that they were beating people left and right and center, and that one scene where Kevin Nash just grabs Rey Mysterio and just lawn darts him to the side of that trailer, and people were actually calling the cops because they literally thought that it was like a prison riot. They literally thought that this was just real. Again, it was one of those things where it blurred the the, the line between fiction and reality, which is what made WCW must see TV. It was just absolutely incredible seeing that. Um, And trust me, we're going to talk a little bit more about some of the other chaos that they created 
during the show. But, uh, Fritz, do you have a favorite memory of the NWO? Oh, I just... Uh, see, I was just watching um, Fall Brawl 96 and 97, just the War Games matches itself. And what NWO, one thing that they always were good at was uh, having a plan. Having a plan B all the way to Z. Uh, whether it was having someone else in their back pocket, like 90... Was it, yeah, 96 and Sting in parentheses, uh, came out to be the fourth man in their uh, War Games match, I believe it was against uh, Ric Flair, Arn Anderson. Um, no, the following year was the Horseman, but this one had like Ric Flair, Arn Anderson, Lex Luger, and Real Sting. Uh, Lex Luger walked out of the match because him and Sting, former tag champs up to this point, were... There was trust issues, but of course, this Sting ended up being the fake Stinger, the the NWO Sting, who would have, excuse me, a run in Japan, in the NWO Japan branch, which had people like Masahiro Chono, uh, Hiroshi Tenzan, uh, the Great Muda, and, get this, the fake Razor Ramon, the late Rick Bogner, a.k.a. Big Titan. You had fake Razor and real Razor in the NWO at the same time. That is some kind of Mandela effect, just brain explosion. And I I just remember all the promos, like Eric Bischoff, who would eventually join the NWO, like the head booker, the man in charge, the boss is joining and he'd always have Eric, like, just grabbing the mic, challenging Vince McMahon to a fight. Uh, I also, one that really stands out is, uh, well, the things that are happening to the NWO. Uh, Roddy Piper coming out, uh, challenging Hulk Hogan to Starcade. Uh, when Sting, real Sting, finally made his return as, as the crow, and, you know, he's up in the rafters and he's pointing the bat... Uh, you know, of course, this was how uh, Bret Hart got into the company, refereeing the Sting Hogan match, which I'd rather forget because Starcade '97. Please God, I hope we're not reviewing that. Mm-hmm. Is a total gong show like, in booking and in execution. It's a gong show. Uh, the, the numbers advantage, and then when you when you think, the, the, as I said, the whole plan thing. When you think the NWO is about to get their just due. Like, out comes the giant. Swerve, bro. The giant joins NWO. And then eventually, ironically, Macho Man was the man that Hogan leg dropped to join the NWO. And who would eventually join? Ooh, yeah. Uh, It was also ironic with that and that Ms. Elizabeth would join because at the Fall Brawl, the War Games, uh... The giant jumped Randy Savage and and joined, and they were spray paint. They were going to spray paint, but Miss Elizabeth is shielding and hovering over Macho Man to protect him. And what do they do? They spray paint Elizabeth on the back on a nice sequin dress before finally kind of, you know, getting her out of without harming her, getting her out of the way to spray paint Randy. 
And Randy joined and was also a member of the Wolf Pack, but I think that's something we're going to talk about the divisions of the NWO. Oh, God. Uh, there's several. There's more than the Wolf Pack in NWO Hollywood. And uh, while you get ready for that next one, I'll break out the wiki for that. <laughs> Fair enough. So, another really kind of crazy, it's at which definitely did, you know, you kind of really hit the nail on the head with that. Everybody basically joined the NWO. They had a deal where NWO basically is saying, you know, you could either join us or we could basically beat the living crap out of you. And they had like 30, their roster had like 30 days to decide that. And that's when we had, you know, the Giants show up, join uh, NWO. And then we had Eric Bischoff join as the mastermind. Everything there, just them creating just utter anarchy within that. And I definitely do want to hit something because when you talked about uh, Fake Razor, uh, one of the things that I enjoyed about the Monday Night Wars uh, WCW uh, segment that they did was that they they talked about that. They talked about how Raw was hinting at the fact that Diesel and Razor Ramon, they're coming back to WWF and... Hall, Hall and Asher just kind of like, well, what, what are they talking about? This, this is really weird. And as this is going on, they're like WCW officials. They're throwing money at them. They're basically saying, it's like, no, don't join them. Don't join them. Here, here's more money. And Nash and Hall are just kind of like, okay, sure, sure. So they're signing like these juicy contracts. And you want to talk about wrestling critique 101. Hall and Nash definitely have that just to a T. Because the day comes that they debut... Uh, re-debut Razor Ramon and Diesel. Fake Razor, he comes out, and as soon as that happens, as soon as they see Diesel, Hall and Ashley look at each other, and then they just walk away. They're just like, nope, we're not dealing with this. (laughs) Because... And that that man who played Big Daddy Cool Diesel grew on to be the mayor of Knox County. Well, he also became Isaac Yankum, but, you know, that's not that. here or there. Yeah. Um, and the Christmas creature. Oh, that is true. He was he had a lot of weird weird gimmicks. Unabom. Oh, God, we're going to have to do a whole entire retrospective on Kane. On Glenn Jacobs, I should say. I feel like that's going to need to be a thing. But, yeah, just hearing that deal where Paul Nash just kind of walk away from this, it definitely shows that they were just like, we don't take this seriously because we are doing something that's real while you guys are just basically trying to pawn off on our names that we've established in WWE. And obviously, people know this. Uh, yeah, Fake Diesel and Fake uh, Razor did not really last too long, now did they? No, they, they were they were in the WWE for a cup of coffee. Uh, after the 97 Rumble, I think uh, Rick Bogner, Razor, had left, and then I think at this time, Creative was uh, starting to get some something ready for uh, for Glenn Jacobs. Uh, something that we definitely have talked about in the past, oh, and yes. yeah, uh, something that I also covered in Hellfire and Tombstone. One of the favorite things I've ever podcasted. It is a really good listen. You guys definitely need to check that out. Um, yeah, this was just one of those things where we definitely saw NWO basically being this almighty force, and they definitely were just running roughshod. And one other moment that was crazy, and you knew that this had to be taken seriously, was when uh, Hulk Hogan won the world title back, and he took that spray can, and he spray-painted NWO 
on the world title. That same title that was held by greats like Dusty Rhodes, Harley Race, Ric Flair. And it's just one of those things where they said, hey, this is a new era. This is what it's all about. We're taking over. This definitely was one of those moments where it was like, they're a staple here. And whether we like it or not, we are going to have to accept this because this is going to be a bit of a long run. And you were talking about the, you know, the, the other branches of NWO. Before we get into that, we got to mention the fact that there's been so many different parodies of the NWO over the years. Uh, even during this time, uh, when they had NWO, there was the Latino World Order, if you remember that. With, uh, uh, yes, that was with yes the, I do. I so, think that was as a result of... Um, that might have been either because Eddie, was, Eddie Guerrero was trying to join the NWO... Or he, he was trying to get their attention, but also the cruiserweights, like the like the likes of Dean Malenko, Chris Jericho, Psychosis, Eddie Guerrero, Chavo Guerrero Jr., uh, like super, uh, not super crazy, like uh, the the Viano Twins. All these people who were staples of WCW Saturday Night, which I was watching weekly at this point, uh, they were trying to get the attention. They were trying to get booked. Like Chris Jericho, I've been reading. Uh, uh, Hit a couple of his books, and he talks about just the, the frustrations uh, of you know the, the the attention going to the NWO and uh, and all that. Just uh, I, I think what this was 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 just not a cry for attention, but it was something for the cruiserweights, that namely the Latinos, because the LWO, you had you had the Guerreros, you had the Vianos, you had Psychosis. Uh, I'm probably missing several of them, like El Dandy. Who who am I to doubt El Dandy if you get that reference <laughs> can of Coke? Who better uh, than Dandy? <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, yeah, that was that time Bret Hart dressed up in NWO. You know, he wrestled El Dandy and he said that, but uh, but yeah, it's uh, it was. Cool. I, I loved the other because like I, I loved the LWO because like I loved uh, like Ray Mysterio, the Guerreros, and, and all them. Because if you remember the, the same night that you had all these NWO moments, you had classics in the undercard. Like go back and relive the Jericho D Malenko feud because that is just mwah, magnifique, so good, definitely. Uh, I will also mention this, that probably the second biggest uh, faction going on during that time, other than probably DX, uh, was another parody of the NWO, and that was happening in the Land of Extreme, ECW, the BWO. Oh, jeez, I, I love that. You know, Big Stevie Ray, Blue Nova, the, Bi- the Blue Meanie, just, that was just Big absolutely Stevie cool. Oh my gosh, that was just great. That, that was just one of those things where, you know, they knew that they were parodying NWO and they had to make it just super flashy and super just ridiculous. And it worked. It got them over. I mean, Big big Stevie, he got the uh, huge rub by main eventing the first ECW pay-per-view. And I honestly think it was because of that, fa- of that faction parody of that. And plus, he was a damn good wrestler during that time. But, yeah, yeah, and that... Did you know that... The uh, do you remember the Monday Night Raw in '97 when there was like an ECW invasion? I do remember that. Yeah, that was my introduction to not only ECW, but my introduction to 
the blue world order and i'm like me being an nwo mark at that point in time probably wearing my outsiders t-shirt going like what is this what are these losers these jabrones doing on tv ripping off my nwo uh, as i say wearing my my <laughs> white t-shirt uh, i had a wolfpack shirt too we'll get to the wolfpack uh yeah don't turn your back on them by the way but you had the blue meanie no i think nova who would go on to be who uh supernova uh no i'll, I'll give you a clue uh uh no i'll, I'll just say it simon dean Oh, that's right. No, I remember that. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, and the blue meanie who would go on to uh, kick JBL's ass. And (laughs) (laughs) no, no, it was Joey Styles that did that. Oh, man. All of that. Yeah. If One Night Stand's a part, if we ever do One Night Stand, uh, that'll be just. Yeah, that that was my introduction to it. That's gonna. Oh, that is gonna happen. That is fantastic. Maybe we'll do Extreme Month. But yeah, the I forgot to mention one thing that is a big a big moment of the NWO, and that is sold out. Uh, A pay per view that the first one they did in '97 was completely run by them, but it sucked. (laughs) It sucked. Hard. Uh, you had this nonsensical. It wasn't as bad as Miss Rumble 2000, but it was like Miss NWO, and well, it might as well have been uh, Miss Rumble 2000 because, well, uh, no, no, I'm not touching it. <laughs> and the rest of the action on the pay per view wasn't that. A lot of people hated it because I think it was just like basically the NWO filleting themselves and inflating their own ego because they steamrolled this pay-per-view. And although we would see sold out, I think all the way up until, well, 2001 is the only year after that we didn't get sold out because, well, A, 2001 was the last year in existence for WCW, and I think that one was called Sin. And that would be an infamous pay-per-view, I believe, for uh, Sid Vicious breaking his leg in half. Oh, jeez. That, that is tough. That is tough. But, yeah, I'm looking at the uh, the card that we had that you know, sold out in 97 was, I mean, like, only two wins by WCW. Other than that, it's just, you know, NWO just flooring everybody, which... That sucks, and, and I will say this: one of the funny things is that the one of the victories from for WCW came in the form of Jeff Jarrett. Because why it's funny is because he was a part of NWO two thousand, and I'm was sad. Was this when he was a horseman? Uh, I don't know. I I really do not know. I'm still trying to catch up with my WCW uh, history. This is kind of one of those things where it's like, okay, I know quite a bit about the NWO. I know about some of the things that they did in WCW. Um, Good Lord. I mean, here's where it gets to be crazier is because of all the backstage uh, stuff that was going on. I remember, uh, I think think it it was like a back of back deal where Big Show and Eddie were talking about the NWO. Basically, Big Show just said you got to be a problem in the locker room because nobody wanted to really get beat up by NWO. So what happens? You joined the NWO, and Eddie, Eddie says, you know, it got boring getting beat up by the NWO. It's the same shit, day in and day out. 
And to me, I understand that. For but also, it was one of those things where it still blurred that reality uh, fiction line, where people were still invested in it. They loved the fact that NWO was causing chaos. And you mentioned the fact that they got their own pay per view, and Bischoff was stating the fact that he was trying to make two different brands. Basically, he was trying to make a WCW brand. He was trying to make an NWO brand. So he was kind of making two brands at the same time. Honestly, successfully, because it helped them garnish so many weeks of victories in the Monday Night Wars because of that. Uh, NWO, yeah, they had a lot of deals where they were winning all the time, partially because one of them, if not a lot of them, had a lot of creative freedom. They were basically saying, like, I'm going over. This is a young rising star. He's going to lose to me. Well, we got to put the title on himself. It's staying with me, brother. Just, we're, we're getting into like the sour patches of uh, of the NWO. And honestly, for me, this is where we're going to get to it. Because we fi- finally are going to talk about the split. Because they decided that in order for NWO to lose, they have to fight amongst each other. And that's where we got NWO with the white and black and Wolfpack with the red and black. Fretz, what the hell was this? Well, this was, uh, I'm just looking on Wiki here. This is, uh, it took place in April of 1998, and uh, NWO Hollywood and NWO Wolfpack would go until January 4th, 99, and that is an infamous date in WCW history. Uh, We'll get there at some point in time. But I think it was basically... The NW, they were fighting amongst themselves, maybe because, well, the, the NWO, the, the original NWO just got to be too big, too much. Everyone and their mother was jo- was joining the NWO. Uh, but I think uh, if you look at an NWO promo, let's just say in mm, mid-97, by mid-97, maybe early 98, like after Starcade. There was a lot of blokes in the ring and a lot of uh, a veritable who's that of professional wrestling in the ring as as well. Virgil was in the NWO. Virgil. Death the road within the NWO for a brief period of time, baby. But yeah, after. The greatest celebrities of all time. Dennis Rodman was in the NWO. Dennis Rodman. Oh, you want the celebrity wing of the NWO. as I scroll all day, the NWO wiki page is absolutely ridiculous. The celebrities, <clears throat> Kyle Petty. Do you know the name Kyle Petty? He's a NASCAR driver. Yes, Kyle Petty was a celebrity member of the NWO. Dennis Rodman. Uh, I've been watching what is it? The the Michael Jordan specials on Netflix, The, the Last Dance, and we're just getting to the part where Dennis Rodman is kind of a shit disturber. Especially when he was on the Pistons. Oh my gosh. Uh, Paul Gilmartin, Dinner and a Movie host. Oh, Dinner and a Movie. That was a show on. Yeah, that was on Turner. So if you, you had to do something with Turner Broadcasting, that was it. And yeah, and the other person from Dinner and a Movie. If anyone actually remembers what Dinner and a Movie is on Turner, uh, maybe Mance <laughs> uh, hit, hit me up. But yeah, there was just an internal leadership struggle in the NWO. It, it was mostly between like 
Hogan and Nash. And then it was just like, okay, uh, we're going to, I'm going to go over here and build my own Lunarlander with blackjack and hookers. If you get that reference, you're my best friend ever. Um, <laughs> yeah, you, okay, good. You got it. <laughs> and then you had, you had red and black and white and black. But then they still kind of had WCW as a common enemy, despite the fact they were also fighting with each other. So you had a, for a lack of better term, and this is a niche wrestling reference, but you had a triangle of terror right there. And that is a niche WCW reference right there. I think only like freaking fourth wall and Mance would get that one, but my goodness. Uh, and you had people who were part of both, like Barry Windham joined the NWO for a brief period of time. I'm learning here through through Wiki, and you had people who were joining both. Eventually, all good feuds come to an end. Uh, there was probably a taser involved in there somewhere. You, you know, you know, hold, hold up. Let's, let's actually cover that right now. So, Because yes. this is indeed one of the main components that come into play when it, com- when it comes to the infamous event that we're d- going to be talking about very, very soon. So, one of the turning points that we had for uh, for NWO was the fact that they had to battle against an unstoppable force in WCW known as Bill William Goldberg. Hollywood Hogan, he had to battle against Bill Goldberg in Atlanta. They gave this away on free TV, which some people have said this was a dumb idea because they could have saved it for a big-time pay-per-view. Others have said that it still... That some people might say that this was a good move because it was something that people wanted to see. It was something that people wanted to really enjoy. And I remember I actually watched this matchup, not like live, but I got the chance to watch it with a uh, during a Monday Night War deal. And match itself was very interesting to say the least. But it was definitely one of those things that, looking back at it, it still was like, wow, this does definitely showcase uh, Goldberg at his finest. Because Hogan hit not one, not two, but three leg drops on him. And then we see, I believe it was Kurt Henning, he comes up. But then we see uh, DDP and, oh gosh, who, who was he paired with at that time? Because um, they were building up like a huge matchup between... Uh, Carl Malone. Thank you. Uh, yeah, Malone comes up, he gives, him the di- he gives uh, Henning the diamond cutter. Oh god, was that just beautiful. Hogan turns around, spear, jackhammer... Goldberg wins the WCW Heavyweight Championship on free TV. I know there's people that are still pissed about that. It's a salty subject. But how do you capitalize that? Goldberg has accomplished the epitome of his career. And here's where it gets to be interesting. Because this was something that Chris Jericho actually talked about. um, where, Where Kevin Nash, I believe, he was doing some of the bookings during the time, and how Jericho put it was that, you know, doing a couple of these bookings here and there, and it's like, you know, I think I could be the booker. Yeah, I think I want to be the booker. Hey, I want to be the booker. And then people, the person's just like, okay, you're the booker. Now what do I do? It's kind of one of those things where it's like, you, you think you're good at it, but then once you get the power, it's like, oh, I may have bitten off more than I could chew. And honestly, that is something that happened, because Kevin Nash, he wrote himself into a match at Starcade with Goldberg for the WCW Heavyweight Championship. And this was going to be a matchup that a lot of people were 
kind of looking forward to. They were kind of seeing two big men, and can you know can can Goldberg defeat Kevin Nash? Can he pick him up for the jacket? We've seen him do it with the Giant. Can he do that with Kevin Nash as well? We thought we were going to see that, but uh, one little zap zap by Scott Hall gave uh, Mr. Goldberg a little bit of a epilepsy attack, and then he got jackknife powerbombed. One, two, three. The streak has been broken. Goldberg has lost the heavyweight title. Kevin Nash is the champion. I will say this, that I think during this time, this was kind of like what we would see with uh, with Cena during <laughs> Cena and Orton during, like I think it was 2009, 2010, where it was like, lulls, Cena wins, lulls, Orton wins, that kind of deal. So in this era, it was lulls, Kevin Nash wins. Because, obviously, you're the world champion. You're going to get more money. You're going to be making that big paycheck. So, yeah, that happened. And we fast forward to that infamous date. Fred's take it over. Oh, is this the... It is. Okay. First off, yes, this took place on January 4th, 1999. Put that date, pin that date in your brain for just a second. We had Nitro. Not only was there this storyline about uh, like a kidnapping, I, I believe I believe it was something to do like I think Bam Bam Bigelow. It was the feud between Bam Bam Bigelow and Goldberg, I think. But then there was also this promised main event between Hulk Hogan and Kevin Nash, WCW title. Uh, Hogan has had enough. He hasn't had a shot in a while. I believe this was like Hogan's return because he took some time off to uh, to run for president, which would be as about as legitimate as he was currently in office. But uh, oh shit! <laughs> um, <laughs> different outcomes. Different yeah, outcomes. But anyway, yeah, d- yeah, different Hall of Famer. <laughs> uh, so we see them square off in the ring, and like, oh, this is going to be a good match. Like. We've never seen Hogan versus Nash. This is going to be a, a Hogan giant killer match. Like Hogan and Andre, uh, Hogan and Taker. This is going to be good. Finger poke, down goes Nash. One, two, three. Nash gets up. They hug. The NWO Wolfpack and NWO Hollywood are back together in harmony. Do you know what also took place on this very night, Nate? It was the final burial of the Goldberg character. And don't say I'm wrong, because you know I'm right. Because literally, he came out, and they just squashed him like nothing. No. This took place, if you were to change the channel, oh, this th- would be a moment that, 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 is fair. that, that is would fair. put butts <laughs> in seats. The same night... The finger poke of doom took place. Mankind won the WWE title. An, a, 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 pap- a, oh gosh, a Raw that was taped because it was Christmas time, uh, New Year's time, whatever. And Tony Schiavone, I think he was pressured by... I've, I've heard various different podcasts about this. I believe I've heard it from both Schiavone and Bischoff themselves. But controversy creates cash. But what did this do? Half of Nitro's viewers just went click and turned on Raw. 
like you know Mick Foley, who wrestled here as Cactus Jack, is gonna win their world title. So if you're thinking about changing the channel, that's what's gonna happen, huh? That's gonna put butts in the seats. And you know what? Ninety nine. Uh, I think just before this, after this, they never won the ratings war again. Mankind winning the title. Maybe there was one week after that. And it was done. And then when that happened, I think a lot of people in WCW, if I was to break out my uh, Death of WCW book or my uh, The Titan Trilogy by James Dixon, which, my God, I absolutely recommend, it would have that moment was just the death nail right there. Turner was part of it, but you never look back after that. Stupid decision. No, full-heartedly agree with that. And I would also uh, argue the case that this is where uh, NWO lost that spark that it had about two years ago because, you know, they created chaos. They were kind of taking over everything. But the problem was that they had no foil. They really did not have a single person that was kind of there to just, you know, kill the momentum that WCW had. Although some people might say, well, there was Goldberg, and then later on, well, there was Sting, and then... The problem is that they just took away from those victories way too easily. Like we mentioned with Goldberg, he won the title, only to lose it to Kevin Nash in one of the most very more more head-scratching moments ever. Sting, yeah, he won the title, but it was still one of those situations where it was a bit of a controversial statement uh, deal, because... Nick Patrick, he was supposed to do a fast count, but he did a regular count, so Sting technically lost, and Bret Hart kind of looked like a dick just restarting the matchup. It was just one of those things where they basically were losing that that fizzle. It's one of those things where Adam Blompe said it best. He said, "At that point, you have to realize that your 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 thing your thing is just dead. So why not go out in a blaze of glory instead of just a." Which unfortunately, that's what happened with NWO because they were just having people leave, and then there were just people that were just re- trying to recreate it. They had the NWO 2000, which didn't really last very long because unfortunately, Bret Hart suffered a case of a concussion via Goldberg kick, and yeah, it was kind of meh from there. And to be honest, it kind of felt the same way with their run in WWE. They came in, caused chaos by almost almost committing vehicular manslaughter by almost killing The Rock. Uh, then it was kind of short-lived because Hogan, shortly after his match with Rock, turned face. He became, he became the real Hulk Hogan again. And they decided, well, okay, let's... Let, we can work with this. Let's bring in let's bring in X Pac in this deal. Okay, so we got some relatability. Big Show's going to be involved. Okay, uh, we're going to bring in uh, uh, we're going to bring in uh, Booker T into this deal, huh? And then we have what? we have uh, Shawn Michaels, who's friends with Kevin Nash and that kind of deal. Okay, this this might work out. Uh, Hall Hall's been fired. Oh, Nash got injured multiple times. Ooh. They just kicked out Booker T for re- reasons, huh? And then Vince, take a gold dust, and then uh, then Vince just literally said, "NWO is dead," even though I created the poison. Actually, we need to mention that gem. That was a gem of a promo with the 
I'm going to inject the WWF with a lethal dose. Lethal dose of poison. That 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 promo was so cringeworthy, but just that that whole deal with his face just made it even better. It was that I think in all honesty that might have been the greatest thing for NWO was just that promo right there. That revealed too on the back of the chair. Oh my God. That, that 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 was the best moment of NWO in WWE's history. But what about the times that they came back? Best moments in all their careers in WWE's history. Stay. I'm still. Old school Raws don't count. WrestleMania 30, whatever it was, 31 doesn't count. And why WrestleMania 31? Did you have people who were in both DX and the NWO? I mean, it makes sense. It really does. I mean, Sean Waltman was kind of... The, the only way that match would probably could have been better is if Sean Waltman just ripped off his uh, his DX shirt to reveal the NWO shirts. <laughs> like, oh my god, it's a double cross! One, two, three, kid. underneath that, it's like, one, two, three, da Just a full circle moment. It's the early prelude to the uh, Firefly Funhouse deal. Just X-Pac is just ripping off shirt after shirt of like hit like his career deals. He's DX. Oh, it's NWO shirt. Holy shit. Oh, it's the 123 shirt. Holy shit. And it, his final shirt just says kid. <laughs> Cannonball, oh, Cannonball kid, Lightning kid, and then uh, just nothing because or whatever his run was before WWE. <laughs> <laughs> just like I said, just just kid. <laughs> He's no, it's just the kid. <laughs> that yeah, that's right. It's like and from Minneapolis, Minnesota, weighing two hundred twelve pounds, the kid. <laughs> still, still absolutely great. Oh man! So we're gonna take one final commercial break, you guys, and then when we come back, we're gonna give our overall thoughts of NWO as well as the influence NWO kind of had on wrestling today. Honestly might be more impactful than you think it is. So stay tuned, guys. We'll be right back. What's going on, everybody? This is the Queen Bee, the HBIC of Wrestle Addict Radio, the Kate Murphy. Why do fools fall in love? Should I change my Tinder bio? These questions and more will all be answered on our new Patreon-exclusive show, Love and War. Watch me and King Ricky Rose tackle the questions and struggles of finding love as a wrestling fan. Love is a battlefield, and this is Love and War, exclusively on the Wrestle Addict Radio Patreon. Hey guys, this is Nate the Up and Great. Hey, have you ever wanted to be a champion but can't seem to really find the money and the time to get a championship belt? Well, you know who's a really good friend of mine? AJ from AJsBelts.com. These guys have a large assortment of championship belts, from classic belts to the modern day belts to championship belts that you would not even believe. And guys, like I said, they work with you very well. With an awesome layaway program, there is no way that you can beat these guys' prices as well that these guys' deals, especially when you can give them a little bit of money every now and then until you can get that championship gold. Coming from a guy who's a champion and a game changer, I'm Dean Nate the Effing Great, and I'm representing AJsBelts.com, proud friends of the Game Changer Podcast. Wrestling SoCal Mal, you are listening to the Game Changer Podcast. Sending lots of love from California. 
Hey there, this is the Queen of Extreme Francine from ECW, and this cameo is going out to Nathan. Nathan, we are celebrating today. It is five years, five years that you've been podcasting. Oh my goodness, you didn't tell me what the name of your podcast is. I would totally have put it over, but it's not in here, Nathan. Um... I'm so proud of you. I'm so happy for you. I'm so um, happy that we got to meet. And you, sir, are adorable, uh, true gentleman. Um, you appreciate all that I've done and all that I do for the business. I, I appreciate you as well. Um, you say I'm a tremendous woman and a wonderful mom. Oh, I appreciate that so much. I try to be a uh, wonderful mother because I love my children very much. Um but this is not about me, Nathan. It is about you. So congratulations on your five-year anniversary. Um, maybe if you ever get another cameo, we can promote your podcast. Because, again, I do not, unless it's called uh, Nathan Grunman, maybe that's the name of your podcast. I don't know. Uh, but you are Nate the effing great. I totally agree. And I thank you for all the love. I thank you for all the support. I hope you are staying healthy and safe. Um, here's the bikini. If you're interested, I don't know if you are or not, because you're, you're more of a gentleman, but this is what I'm wearing today. I've got to show everyone, because that's what I'm promoting. Um, but as always, I am sending all my love from me to you, and Nathan, always stay extreme. Mwah. Congratulations. I hope you have not just five more years, but maybe 50 more years of podcasting. <laughs> okay, take care. Mwah. Have a great day. Welcome back to the Game Changer Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Nate the Effing Great, joined here by Mr. Fritz. I want to say a couple of things about that cameo by Francine. Well, first of all, definitely check out her podcast, Eyes Up Here. It's absolutely wonderful. She talks about life. She talks about her career. It's just great. Definitely take time to do that, and I'm going to plug that for her right here. Uh, first of all, usually when I've done the cameos, Nobody's really asked me for like the podcast name, so she was one of the first few people that was just like, "Oh, I want to plug your podcast. I want to put it over." She wants to put the Game Changer podcast over. So um, I will also say this: that a parody podcast for me would be just Nathan Grunman podcasts. <laughs> just literally tri- put myself over, but I'm not going to do that because I'm not that I'm not that selfish. Um, I, I do that with WrestleMania. Come on, dude. What am I? <laughs> <laughs> Fred sold out. Fred sold out. Fred sold out. Damn right I did. I have merch, bitch. <laughs> Fair but, oh gosh. I, I've talked so highly about Francine throughout the podcast. Definitely, if you guys get a chance, meet her, talk to her. She is just absolutely a sweetheart. She's just absolutely great. Um, now, for those of you that are also cu- curious about the whole bikini deal, one of the things that she did on Twitter was that she was saying, hey, this is what it's going to be for... Uh, for my cameos, I'm going to be wearing this and blah blah. So, as as this is coming out, I'm sure the people have will have already seen it because I will post the cameo uh, video uh, tagged into the podcast <clears throat> uh, link, so that way people can enjoy the beautiful view. And just remember, eyes up here, guys. Honestly, she like I said, she's great. She's a wonderful mom, a great podcast uh, podcaster. And when she told me, like, 50 years, I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to do that. I'm going to have to be, like, 80-some years old for at least 80 for that. And, honestly, I could see myself doing that. But I also said to Val that I'd probably call it a career at 25, which, honestly, I think it's fair. I think I think 25 is still a fair 
deal, but if I can make it to 50, hey, cool. But <laughs> I don't see myself at 80 years old just pushing these buttons, be like, why isn't my button working? <laughs> but then it'll be holograms. Oh, that's but, you know, luckily, luckily by then, I would be, uh, what, 85 and long dead. But <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Uh, it's welcome to the game changer podcast. <laughs> it's, it's it's me just basically uh, reenacting that intro for uh, Game Grumps where he, they were doing doing the Pokemon. It's just it's just Professor. Well, hello there. I shit my pants. Welcome to the world of Pokemon, where I consistently shit my pants. My name is Oak, which stands for Oh Ass Crap. I've shit my pants. That is going to be my introduction when I hit, like, 60 years old. Just <laughs> Welcome to the Game Changer Podcast, where I consistently shit my pants. Honey, I need a diaper change. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Just a diaper change in the middle of a show. Oh, my God. I mean, there are weirder things that have happened on podcasts. I'm calling that out right now. But that that, that would be kind of hilarious. I'm, I'm kind of hoping that there's still people that have that kind of sense of humor when I reached that point, but I had my doubts. <laughs> uh, so, we are talking about NWO. We've already talked about the illustrious career, talked about its origins, so now we're going to give our final thoughts. This is kind of like our Jerry Springer deal, final thoughts of this entire deal. Fritz, let's start with you. Final thoughts, NWO. So, overall, well, NWO was something that... Uh, Brought me into WCW. You know, uh, right, I had already known. I had already known who some of these characters were. I didn't get the t- the channel that Nitro was on, but uh, by about '96, I did get Turner. I did get uh, TBS. Uh, I think today it's known as what Peachtree TV or something like that. Uh, so I was watching Saturday Night. By the time Thunder came around, I was watching Thunder because to me. It was more wrestling and WCW Saturday night. Well, hey, I have an hour to kill before Hockey Night in Canada comes on. So why not watch uh, Barry Darso versus Mike Enos? Uh, or if WWE marks, uh, Demolition Smash versus one of the Beverly Brothers. <laughs> yeah, Saturday night was weird. I was watching Saturday nights from like 93 and it was like Steve Austin versus Paul Roma. Get in there there's some quality stuff right there it's on the network too yeah overall i think the nwo was for a time it was very very entertaining for a time and then it became kind of overkill then it's like okay this is same crap different week uh you're jumping everybody and you're always standing tall you know the whole Bruce Pritchard deal, Hogan must pose, pal, uh, was <laughs> running true in WCW even before Hogan was in the NWO. Uh, Hogan must pose. Like, you know, Hogan must pose. And we, 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 we are in control, and I couldn't be any more apt. By the time we reached the division, I mean, we had the division and the splits, and I mean, one of the groups for like five weeks was called NWO Elite, and I think maybe uh, the Elite might be taking notes the way they're going, but uh, by the time I got to Wolfpack, I mean, I was a Wolfpack guy. My grade nine uh, high school picture is me 
in a wolf pack shirt, or is it the what a great nine or ten? I'm wearing the wolf pack shirt because I was a wolf pack guy. I hated Hogan. I've almost always hated Hogan, even when he was the real American. Like I didn't care for him at all. Uh, but I loved these. I loved Diesel. I loved Kevin Nash at the time until like I think I just grew tired of it. Is eventually that's what happened to the NWO. By the time they were, they got so big that they collapsed in amongst themselves like a dying star, and then started fighting amongst themselves, and then everyone and their mother was was joining. To me, that's when as a okay, I'm a head out SpongeBob meme. It's it, it's over, and. NWO Elite, NWO Silver and Black, like 2000 with Jeff Jarrett and the Harris Twins. That's when it was just like, dude, you're on life support. Just let the NWO die with dignity. And then, oh no, you had to bring it back to the WWE with, okay, former members, the big show. I get it. Okay. Hall Nash Hogan. Oh, this is good. This is good. You get, you know, the, how would you like to headline one more WrestleMania with The Rock? And I wish I was in that Toronto crowd. I Go back in time. If I can hop into DeLorean and go to one wrestling show, well, no, there'd be two, X7 and X8. But that crowd, it, that's what turned Hogan around. That's what got... Hogan, they were initially, I think, going to have a bit of a run. But you had, you know, Scott Hall, he was fighting his demons at the time. Uh, Kevin Nash was on his uh, 75th quad. And Hogan was like, oh, no, Toronto remembers WrestleMania X6. Uh, no, WrestleMania 6. They wanted that, Hogan. And we got him. So, overall... <clears throat> NWO was awesome from about 96 to late 97. And then... Pfft. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head with all those details. It was one of those situations where it was good for its time. It stayed longer than it needed to be. And unfortunately, when they tried to revitalize it, it was just like... Nush. I would give you know Bishop this is that he was still young. He was still learning a bit about the business. But he was definitely smart enough to know... That, you know, this was something that needed to be, you know, heavily focused on. He definitely wanted to create two brands. And one of the things that I think he had to eventually come to realize is the fact that you can balance it out for a short period of time, but sooner or later, one is going to overtake the other. And unfortunately, that was what ended up happening, was that NWO tried to take over WCW. And, you know, give it credit where credit's due is that NWO has been this flag bearer for any kind of faction that has ever crossed paths in professional wrestling. I mean, you look at the history of ones that have been very successful, and they're still successful to this day. Uh, Bullet Club is the one that kind of stands out the most, because, yes, they're basically a parody of NWO, but they also got the endorsement from NWO to use the two suite to use the, you know, black, black, white, they have all this deal. So they're basically being the modern day NWO and they're still finding ways to evolve, to stay relevant. So I respect that. Uh, some other factions that have definitely tried and have been pretty successful, maybe not exactly on the same success level as NWO has, but you know, 
The Shield was another one. Was basically just we're going to take names, kick ass, and do whatever we want. Uh, Main Event Mafia and TNA was another one that was kind of a parody of it. I mean, you even had uh, Booker T and Kevin Nash and Scott, and, uh, Scott Steiner who were a part of the NWO. So you had some familiarities from that. Well, as well as Sting. I think the only person who was not a part of the NWO in any way, shape, or form in that group was Kurt Angle. Then they brought in Samoa Joe, Matt Morgan, and a couple of other people. Um, I think that when you talk modern-day people, factions that really embrace kind of like the NWO moniker, uh, Undisputed Era is another one that's been here for a while. They've dominated. And the question is, are they going to be continuing on? I think that with Undisputed Era, they are what NWO could have been, where it was like, hey, they have their foils, they're still able to remain relevant, even in those losses. So, wish that we could say more of that. And I'm going to also throw this, just because, hey, something Canadian this way comes, I'm going to throw in Team Canada, because I can't, and it's our show, and we love Team Canada. So, shush. Um, yeah, so that's overall thoughts. national anthem here. Burr, 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 burr. Oh my gosh, just everything about Team Canada is great. Uh, so at least come back at Slammiversary for the love of everything holy. Ooh. Like sorry to Cyberg, but I've been uh, I've been on uh, Good Brother J uh, J Bones podcast, Smash This podcast. I believe he used to be part of the network uh, some time ago. Mm-hmm. He's covering a lot of Impact, and he's I'm going to start getting back into it because Slammiversary. Even with the recent firings, uh, looks interesting. It does look very interesting, and we're gonna hopefully find out, you know, who the former world champion is going to be, who's gonna be and put it into the uh, four-way match for the Impact World Title, which has now been vacated because somebody got fired and stripped of the title. Uh, um, honest to God, I wish they would bring back the uh, King of the Mountain matchup because that was TNA roots, <laughs> just. Hey, I'm a big fan of that match. You you stop your mocking mocking laughter. Um, so obviously, guys, with us also talking about NWO, uh, we did have a pretty good week of wrestling this week. We had Great American Bash for NXT as well as Fighter Fest for AEW. So we're going to cover that a little bit as well as go into some uh, predictions as far as night two goes. So, Fritz, I'll let you take the charge. Do you have the results for? Uh, uh, the Great American Bash from this week, or do you want me to take the lead for this one? No, I have I have uh, NXT here. I, I okay. actually watched ev- everything last night. Oh, okay. Uh, yep. Then you start. After I got after I got home from work, I just like immediately I put on. Uh, well, I went on YouTube and like okay, I'm just going to see what J Bone's doing because he always streams after AEW, but I knew he was covering it, so I'm just like. You know, hey, dude. He gave you know he gave me he gave you a plug too. Nice. So because yeah, because you're both Wisconsin boys. Yeah. Yeah, you're you're just north of him. So you know <laughs> that's what he said. It's like oh yeah, Nathan and Fretz and dude, he gave us a plug. He gave Fretzelmania a plug. <laughs> so yeah, we were yeah. He's a good he's a good brother. I, I highly smash this podcast. He usually does like Wednesday nights. So. Recommend to check them out. We're a cool chat. So we have starting off here a number one contenders fatal four way match uh, between Mia Yim, Tegan Knox, Candice LeRae, and my boo Dakota Kai. Uh, we had just uh, a spot here. Protect your neck was was uh, enough to put away Candice LeRae. Uh, the O'Connor roll was enough to 
eliminate Mia Yim, uh, Soul Food. Uh, I think that's some kind of eat defeat finisher. Uh, S O L E food. Oh, okay, it's it's right here. It, that, 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 that's good. That, that's that, that's good. When I heard soul food, I'm like, what the? F-? Okay, uh, Raquel Gonzalez is banned from ringside, and <sighs> Tegan Knox wins. Yay! Oh, I love Tegan, but I love it. De- more. If you listen to my Faye Five, uh, you'll you'll know why. Friggin', <laughs> I, I, I repeat, Naka Tomi Plaza hair. That big '80s hair is just. Uh, that was the hell of an opener. We had <laughs> Odie Lorkin and Timothy Thatcher. Just slap, slap, chop, stiff. <laughs> If there's any match you want to rec- if you want to watch from this, besides the main event and the other matches, because this is actually a good event. <laughs> My gosh, uh, British strong style from two Americans, uh, just on display here, slapping and chopping the crap out of each other, locking in all these wicked submissions until finally uh, Thatcher uh, Thatcher's Thatch can, which is the best name for a wrestling school ever and I would die on the first second of it uh, Thatcher walks in a, he gets in the Fujiar armbar but then he cinches in real good and cranks the arm way up uh, Oni Lorcan has no choice but to tap out now I want to see him versus uh, Danny Birch his tag partner and I, just before this I was on the live stream chat with uh, Warren Hayes, good brother, another live stream podcaster on YouTube, recommend checking out, tell him Fret sent you, and someone in the chat, I think, mistakenly said, they were talking about Loomis versus Thatcher, that match didn't happen, and now I want to see it, (laughs) (laughs) Rhea Ripley versus Aaliyah and Robert Stone in a handicap match, and if uh, Ripley... If oh, Robbie E, good old Robbie E, got the <laughs> shit kicked out of him, uh, if if Ripley were to lose, she would have to join the Robert Stone brand, uh, the losing brand uh, that has never seen any success because Robert Stone is a loser. Um, <laughs> we we ahead of the match, we see this really good promo with Karrion Cross and Scarlett. Just you know, TikTok, just get in there. Uh, Robert Stone, uh, he came in and like brought in like uh, like basketball shorts like this, like friggin' Brock Lesnar shorts that I think that had like an R on the crotch or something. Uh, he was <laughs> walking awesome. in, he, he was wearing the big, he took out his friggin' uh, Jameson thick glasses from Rumble 92, puts on like big sport goggles so he looked like even more of a nerd. Uh, and Aaliyah, I uh, believe she was a tag partner with uh, Vanessa Bourne, so that's where I know her from. But Ripley just kept getting the upper hand, knocking the crap out of each other. And then they, uh, you know that uh, submission move where Rhea Ripley like, locks the like the bow and arrow legs yes. and lifts you up and swings your... Oh, yeah. She did that to both of them. Oh, to shit. both of them. And that was a t- double tap out. Ripley wins doesn't have to join the brand ooh next we get a strap match between Roddy Strong 
And one of my favorites going right now, Dexter Loomis. And this was just, this wasn't a scrap match where you had to, like, touch the four corners. This was just, you're strapped to each other, and you're slapping the crap out of each other. Uh, Before this match, you kind of had the whole thing of uh, Roddy Strong kind of being in this dark room, kind of doing his therapy, if you will. is like he sees Dexter Loomis everywhere. And now that I've, and because I said this in the chat with Warren, uh, I want a cinematic match of some kind with these two, whether it's like a, a Blair Witch Project kind of chase, a horror movie kind of deal. I want to see that because Dexter Loomis is scary and this guy's awesome. Uh, I mean, I've seen him since he was uh, Sam Shaw, and he's come a long, long way. Uh, Bobby Fish tries to get involved. He, you know, nope. He, it doesn't work. Uh, there was a running knee by Roddy Strong. Strong knee, but nope, that didn't happen. He ran into uh, a Uranagi, and then locking in his uh, submission finisher, the Anaconda Vice, that he calls the Silence, which, okay, <laughs> I love the name of that, by the way, the, the Silence, just, then you hear his like, friggin' Stranger Things entrance theme, I, I played it for you, it's friggin' Stranger Things. It is. <laughs> this was so fun. Uh, and the fact, I love the fact that a couple of weeks ago, I think it was like Adam Cole was celebrating his win against, uh, against Redacted. And, uh, it was, uh, there he is, there's Dexter Lewis and he's there in the crowd. And then it, the camera cut, he's gone and he's seeing him everywhere and he's in, 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 in he's in therapy. So this is a feud I'm loving. I kind of hope Dexter Loomis continues to mess with everybody. Uh, we had here uh, Santos Escobar and uh, Raul Mendoza and Yaquin Wild. I, I forget the name of their, their faction, but, I mean, it's just a promo. But there was a little backstage uh, skirmish with Mia Yim and Candice LeRae. And then Isaiah Swerve Scott tried to come in, and Johnny Gargano got in his face. <sighs> Swerve and Gargano? Uh, uh yes. Uh, right in there. Santos is out there cutting a promo. Uh, he is going to change the perception of Lucha Libre, because he's like, you know, and he's making good points here. He's like, you know, because Lucha Libre, to some of you, it means masks. And someone in the crowd is just like... Yes, it does. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's all it's all friggin' uh, PC members right now. But you have uh, Drake Maverick coming out with the neck brace, rips it off. He tries to go right for Escobar, but uh, his cronies jump him, and then he gets a familiar tag team to um, even the odds, and that is. Breezango. So next week in a six-person tag, we're going to get Breezango and Drake Maverick versus Escobar Mendoza and Wild. Uh, yes, please. Uh, Cameron Grimes. Uh, he's just. I think he's challenging Damian Priest, but at the same time, he he wants the winner of the double title match. Uh, why? <laughs> why would you want either Adam Cole or Keith Lee? Uh, Keith Lee beat him in like 
um, second on an episode of uh, NXT a while ago. Uh, There was a promo with Mercedes Martinez, who's promising to make her mark on NXT, starting with her return next week. Uh, We have Grimes vs. Priest set up. We have... Uh, next, we have uh, Cole and Lee, and I think Gargano and Swerve has also been signed for next week. So, oh man, going up against Fighter Fest, and I actually, I think I have the results of who won the Wednesday Night War, but we'll get there. Uh, Sasha Banks and Bailey arrive in a really sweet car with a corgi, <laughs> with Bailey's dog. I think his name's Ryu, and that's the best name ever, Hadouken. Uh, they have a great back and forth match. We see Bailey. Karen trying to get involved and constantly, you know, kind of not, uh, you know, kind of backfiring. And then finally, there is a spot at the end of the match where we see Asuka come peering out from under the ring. <sighs> Green mist in Sasha's face. Io Shirai hits the moonsault and Io Shirai wins. This is adding fuel to the fire for the Extreme Rules match between Sasha and uh, Asuka, which is going to be amazing. And uh, after you just see like Sasha's just covered in the green mist, and after the match, they're, like, they're cutting a promo. She's like trying to towel it off. Uh, shout out to those wrestling girls for for, for firing these off to me. Uh, the friggin' Corgi in the car. And and Sasha, like, she's finally kind of bringing the boss character back. She's kind of, you know, being herself. This this is the first time Asuka, gosh, Sasha's been back in NXT for a few years. And the crowd, (laughs) the crowd was chanting at her, you don't go here. And if I were her, I would have been like, bitch, I made here. This was a fantastic episode of NXT. I think they actually won the ratings war, which was surprising as Fighter Fast Night 1 was top tier. And you have it, so uh, take it away, Nate. All right. So we kicked off with the Jurassic Express, Jungle Boy, and Luchasaurus defeating MJF and Wardlow. No worries, people. Wardlow took the pin, so MJF is technically undefeated. I liked this matchup. I thought it was really good. It showcased uh, both these teams very well. Also, MJF and Pink, just no, no, no. The only man who deserves to be in Pink is Aaron Stevens, a.k.a. Damian Sandow. Fight me on that. But, no, this is a good matchup to start off. Um, next up, we had Penelope Ford challenging Hikaru Shida for the AW Women's World Championship. Great matchup. Uh, Kit Sabian got uh, thrown out at the early part. I love the reaction here. It's just so funny. Because he gets all in Aubrey's face, then Aubrey's just like, okay, you know what? You're out of here. And Kip's just like, oh, crap. No, I, I was just kidding. I was just kidding. And he just decides to take Shida's kendo stick, and he puts it in his mouth like it's a giant cigar. I just like, fucking keep saving. I love you, dude. Um, this was a matchup that was... That was a great moment. But this was a, a match, a career-making moment for Penelope Ford. There were so many moments where I thought she was going to win, and I would have been perfectly fine with that. Um, but Hikaru Shida picked up the victory after just so many shots to the face from that devastating knee. 
she's basically saying, hey, Shinsuke, I'm winning with my knee. What's wrong with yours? <laughs> and, uh, yeah, Hikaru Shida retains. Really good matchup. We had Cody defending a, the TNT uh, Championship. I, I want to say TNT Heavyweight Championship. I'm going to call it that from now on. I don't care. Um, against Jake Hager. Another really good matchup here between these guys. Uh, Arn Anderson getting a little more involved than uh, Catalina, Jake Jake's wife, which I still love the fact. <laughs> all, through, all throughout my head, I was just seeing uh, Catalina and Jake just being all lovey-dovey and stuff like that. I just keep remembering uh, this guy from Revolution, and <laughs> for some reason, he has this phrase that kind of sticks out in my head where he's just like, Stop kissing your mom! Just like, she's not that old. Come on, man. Speaking of moms. <laughs> but um, Cody put up a valiant effort in this matchup, picked up the victory over Jake Hager with a little bit of help from the Nightmare family, and then Jake just decided to uh, punch punch a kid referee because he can, because he's Jake Hager. Also, can I mention the fact that Jericho was on commentary throughout the entire night, and it was just beautiful. Any single time that he was just plugging the whole, if you do this hashtag, you might get a chance of uh, getting a phone call from me. That's just amazing. I'm, I want to hear, <laughs> I want to hear the phone conversation that Jericho had with that fan, just because it just sounded great. Uh, the reason why I bring they this actually up, actually handed out prizes for those hashtags, by the way. Oh, that's uh, great. That 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 I loved. I loved the fact that they were basically just trying to. Uh, Continue to build the rapport with uh, the fans of AEW, showing their appreciation. Uh, there was also a spot here for the <laughs> AEW Puppy Battle Royal for next week. <laughs> to which I'm like, what does that mean? I mean, people are going to be, they're going to want to see what this is all about. I mean, we had Stadium Stampede. We had all these other crazy deals, and they were just absolutely great. Uh, puppy Battle Royal. This will be this will be an interesting one. This is a question mark for me with uh, AEW, uh, but we had Orange Cassidy. He came out during this uh, tag team match where Private Party defeated Inner Circle. Great matchup. Matt Hardy was at ringside, basically showing support for Private Party. Honestly, I'm looking at this and thinking to myself, Matt Hardy's kind of turning into like the uh, Mike Michael Hayes in this situation, and Private Party is like the next generation of the Hardy Boys. Fight. It's like Ray <laughs> on your wedding day. I, I thought this was a great matchup between these these guys. Um, throughout the matchup, Jericho is just yelling at Cassie, who's literally just sitting in his chair, feet propped up on the desk, and it looks like he just fell asleep during the matchup. He's just so he's just chilling, just not doing anything. And after the matchup, Orange Cassie, he's just slowly walking away. Jericho's ready to just pounce on him like a freaking. Tiger pounces on like a uh, antelope, and f- people are just pulling him back. And <laughs> Cassidy, he's not even like fighting him. He's just like, I'm gonna get him next week. It's fine. It's whatever. And Jericho is just doing like the same thing that he was doing with Mike Tyson, where he's like, Next week, I'm gonna get you, Cassidy. Next week, I'm gonna get you. <laughs> just so fucking funny. Um, we get a promo by uh, Brian Cage and Taz where Taz is basically telling Moxley, take all the time that you need, Paul took your way to avoid the inevitable, which is Brian Cage kicking your ass and taking the title, which they mentioned is going to be taking place in two weeks live from, uh, from, from during the Fight for the Fallen show. So 
We are going to get that rematch. For, we're going to get that match between Brian Cage and Moxley. It's just going to take a couple more weeks. Then we got the main event. Best friends challenging Kenny Omega and Adam Page for the tag team titles. First of all, hats off to Trent's mom for driving them to the arena. Oh my god, that was just that was great. And she was also in the, she was also at ringside. It was like, oh, I want best friends to win so badly. Come on, let let's let's see Mama Trent be very happy. Come on, just give me that. I didn't get that. <laughs> I, uh, sue, 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 sue. <laughs> Instead, what we got was an amazing matchup between uh, Kenny and Adam, as well as the best friends. They put on a hell of a barn burner. Um, Adam Adam Page he hit the bucks. The Bucks get clothesline for the victory, and they retain the titles, and they will face Private Party for the tag team titles next week. Uh, during the matchup, though, FTR was up on the stage. They were just drinking beer. They basically go down. They're having a celebration drink with the tag team champions. Adam, Adam, of course, he's just drinking it like, yeah, no, I love beer. Kenny Omega. Oh, Kenny, my man, what the absolute hell. He takes the beer. He dropped, he pours it to that ringside in front of Dax and Cash. And ba- and what ends up happening is that Dax and Cash, they're just like, oh, you want to disrespect it? You want to waste the beer? I think that, I think it's funny because I think Jerry said like, huh, Kenny Omega must not like Canadian beer. It's like, he's Canadian. How can you not like, never mind. No, that was American, uh, it was American beer. Uh, and I don't blame him. <laughs> Screw you! <laughs> but uh, they, but the young bucks came up. They broke up the uh, possible confrontation between the two of them. They have a matchup next week. Which getting into the card, we have Chris Jericho versus Orange Cassidy one on one. That's going to be an awesome matchup. I have Lance Archer taking on Joey Janela. R.I.P. Joey Janela. Uh, we have Nyla Rose in action next week against who? I swear, if it's against Leva Bates, I'm going to cry because she does not deserve that. We have a six-man tag team matchup in which we have Colt Cabana and the Dark Order, Brody Lee and Stu Grayson, taking on SCU. That oh, I'm looking forward to that. I'll make a bold prediction here. I think that we're going to see Colt Cabana turn heel here. I think that Dark Order is going to pick up the victory. Colt's going to turn heel, and they're going to get a big name for the Dark Order. That's my prediction for that. Um, we have an interesting eight-man tag, but it was basically to replace the world title matchup, which was FTR and the Young Bucks taking on Butcher and the Blade and Lucha Bros. Oh, get some, ladies and gentlemen. This is going to be an amazing matchup. The only thing that's missing is that it was a four-corners matchup. Oh, that would be even better, but I'm, I digress. And then, of course, we have the uh, tag team uh, World Tag Team title match, Private Party challenging Kenny Omega and Adam Page. Uh, will we see a TNT championship matchup here? Maybe, but I'm not going to hold my breath to it because they already got like six matches on here. Each of them need to have their fair, you know, fair deal. So I think Cody's going to just take the week off. Maybe we're going to build up into another storyline with him, uh, or maybe we're going to continue the uh, feud between him and Jake Hager because, from what it seemed like, Cody uh, tapped out while Jake Hager's shoulders were down. So it's kind of one of those things where it's like, hmm. So what are we, what are we going to get here? I mean, it seems like the feud is not over between them. So, Fighter Fest looks like it's going to be an amazing deal. NXT uh, Great American Bash is pulling things up pretty well. I will also say that Cody on that night he actually had a uh, 
the American Nightmare a Cody shirt, and it had the exact same logo as like the classic uh, Great American Bash logo on it. That, that was, was that awesome. was beautiful. That, Great American Bash is the dusty thing. So, and 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 Cody, he's he also. He didn't have any ill will because he, he said himself that, you know, I hope that Great American Bash does something cool. Uh, he, he doesn't have any animosity towards them for using it. And NXT, uh, they kind of won, barely won the ratings war. And speaking of NXT next week, not only is there, well, this uh, page is actually a little bit outdated, but we have Cameron Grimes versus Damian Priest. R.I.P. Grimy, uh, uh, Johnny Gargano versus Isaiah Swerve Scott, which that has potential. That is going to be good. A street fight between Mia Yim and Candice LeRae. We have the return of Mercedes Martinez, uh, El Legado del Fantasma, which is Escobar Mendoza and Yaquin versus Drake and Brizango, and the winner take all. NXT title versus North American title match between Keith Lee and Adam Cole. Bay, bay. I want to predict something from AEW. Orange Cassidy is going to beat Jericho. Uh, I'm calling it right now. I want to see that. I really do want to see that. That would be amazing. Um, so I'll make a prediction for NXT. I'm going to say that the reign of Cole is over, and we're going to be basking in the glory of Keith Lee. He's going to be walking out with both championships. What would have been cool is if they would have done like the WrestleMania 2000 deal, where it's kind of like two falls, where it's like, oh, this falls for this championship, this falls for this championship, to make it a little more like an endurance deal, maybe add a little something different to it. Um, but that's that's just me. That's just me being my creative self. But honestly, it's gonna be an incredible matchup either way, whether it's a one fall to a finish or the idea that I just had. Hell, if they even wanted to just make it like a last man standing deal or no DQ just to ensure that there's a winner. I'm totally for that. But that's going to be next week. Uh, definitely got to do a major shout-out to the Ruthless Aggression pod. I finally got a chance to watch the, to listen to the entire show. And, yes, I did hear of your wonderful appearance on there. The Pepsi Blue Splash of the Night. Spaginga. It's a Spaginga. <laughs> I've heard that ding so many times throughout that show. It's It's great. Um, definitely, guys, if you get a chance, go check out all of the other members of the Wrestle Attic Radio family. Uh, not just myself and Mr. Fretz. Definitely check out the uh, Kings of the Rings podcast as well as the Young Lions Perspective and the Delight Show, which I know that they are cooking up something nice, and I'm looking forward to seeing what Mance has in mind because it's going to be... Oh, I know. It's, it's, it's going to be just wonderful. Um... Yeah, other, other than that, a uh, couple things that we can definitely plug right here. Uh, Mr. Fretz has his 20-bell salute up right now. And honestly, guys, anytime that you hear a 20-bell salute, it's just wonderful. Um, I mentioned on our Patreon that we are going to be doing a special game show for next month. So if you want to be a part of that, all you have to do is go over to Patreon. Send send. Send in, it's only five bucks, guys, to be a Patreon backer, and you can find out how you can be a part of this historic game show that is going to be taking place and hosted by yours truly. Prizes, so many wonderful things are going to be happening right now, and I'm going to tell you this right now, 
that to my, to my surprise, and this is no disrespect to anyone, that I'm that so far the so so far the 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 one that's one up on the board right now is neither Canadian or American. He's from the UK. Jermaine, shout out to you. I'm I, I'm honestly pulling for Jermaine in this one. No ill will to anyone else. I'm kind of pulling for Jermaine to pick up the victory in this one. I want to get him on the show and I want to see him, you know, set set the bar for that. But for right now, guys, like I said, you want to be a part of it, go over to Patreon. It's only five bucks. Enjoy that. And hey, if you got a little bit of extra dough, why not go over to teesprings.com because we have some awesome merchandise that is going to be up, including t-shirts, coffee mugs, so much other great stuff right now. I know that the Game Changer Podcast, I believe also the Young Lions perspective, we're going to be having masks for you guys, obviously, during this time. We want you to stay safe and stay healthy, so we'll probably have masks for that. I will also reveal this, that the Game Changer Podcast will also have a new t-shirt for during the month of August, so definitely... Stay tuned to that. It's going to be absolutely, what absolutely amazing. Uh, I just got the, I got the light bulb from Mr. Fretz. What's up? Yeah, just wanted to give you. You want to know what you're going to be expecting this month's Twenty Bell Salute? I just recorded and uploaded this morning. Oh, oh July two thousand. Uh, let's see. I'm going to give you a movie. Uh, X Men. The first X-Men movie, one of my favorites. And there is a movie, I'm not going to tell you the name of this movie, but I'm going to let you know why the song Teenage Dirtbag by Weedus has a parallel with wrestling. I'll tell you about this off air. Uh, I cover one of the worst pay-per-views of 2000, followed by one of the best pay-per-views from 2000 featuring a steel cage match i want each of you who's listening to my voice right now to pause go watch val venus versus rikishi on the network from fully loaded 2000 underrated cage match one of my favorites of all time and uh yeah if i can plug some others you know everyone else on the network those wrestling girls laser time network 30 2010 and the other Ruthless Aggression Era podcast from across the pond, they, they do uh, fan, just some fantastic work. They're at Great American Bash 2004. Uh, to do, to, I'm just going through the rest of it. You, like, you know, Will, he does some great stuff with you, Mad Bro, on, on, ambig- on an ambiguous podcasting productions. And, yeah, that's, that's five-second rule. Good old, I mean, Ant wasn't, wasn't, this week, uh, you know, we had, uh, so I think someone went under the weather, but five-second rule will be back soon, so yeah. fret, fret fret, not. So that's that's my plugs. Val Venus versus Rikishi, for the love of everything holy, watch that match. <laughs> Fret's not. <It's laughs> so ah! I, had to, I had to make the pun. I had to make the pun. Uh, the only other thing I definitely wanted to plug was the fact that, uh, for those of you that are members of the Patreon, definitely check out the fact that I rebooked the reign of the Maharaja Jinder Mahal, I did that. It was not. It was not easy. I will tell you that right now. There took a lot of time getting to that, but I will also have another content that will be uploaded the same day as Impact Wrestling's Bound for Glory, where I will be talking about the top ten heel turns of, in TNA. So definitely tune into that. It'll be happening within the next couple weeks. Uh, yeah, so for Mr. Fretz, I've been Nate the F and Great. This has been the Game Changer Podcast reminding you to make a difference. 
Be kind to one another. Stay safe. Stay healthy. And be smart. Have a good one, you guys. And we will... Happy 4th of July. Happy Canada Day. That's the real holiday. been camping in your backyard, cycling in your living room. You've been enjoying rain showers in your bathroom, campfires on your TV screen. You've been counting stars and birds from your window and holding family cookouts in the kitchen. Now, get ready to go. Go on a real vacation. Take the wheel at your nearest RV dealer or at GoRV.com. En JCPenney sabemos que nos extrañas y nosotros te extrañamos aún más. ¿Pero qué pasa si te decimos que tenemos una tienda abierta todo el día, todos los días? ¡La tenemos! En jcp.com o en el app de JCPenney. ¿Quieres un traje de baño? ¡Lo tenemos! ¿Algo para estrenar este verano? ¡También! ¿Marcas exclusivas y tus marcas nacionales favoritas? ¡También! Visita nuestra página para los más recientes cupones y aprovecha envío estándar gratis en compras de $49 o más. JCPenney. Aplica en exclusiones. Detalles en la tienda o jcp.com.